I'm John. I'm Alex. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. John, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Sure. I'm John, many time Topic Lord, also known as John Mystery and various other things, which uh, in retrospect now, I feel bad that that's the nickname that seems to have stuck, but <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, let that be something that I've learned. Um, and I would like to plug the Topic Lords Discord, which I've recently been more uh, more present in, and I, I am delighted by the joyful community there. Yeah. And so for those for those who haven't uh, already, what what do they do, Jim? Do they give? Do they join the the Patreon and then they get access? Yes. If you um, pledge even momentarily. Let's say even like if you pledge and then you immediately delete your pledge, I'll still send you a link. Yes. So, so I guess this is like, this is just proof to me that you have a credit card number. <laughs> or just continue to do a regular little payment because it's a, it's a service. It's a, it's a joyful. If you don't have a credit card, just send me a DM. Yeah. I mean, the, the barrier to entry is rather low as we see. And yet it's still high enough that. There are few enough people in there that you can really feel like a community. It is very much a community. Yeah. We were we were just talking about like before the show about what a disaster social media is and what how much nicer it is to be in a community. Yeah. And things are ephemeral and you'll have a conversation and maybe you could go back and look at it later on if you remembered the right search. Oh term. yeah, Discord keeps logs, so there's that. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't can they be subpoenaed? We don't know. Yes, definitely. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, come to the come to the Topic Lords Discord is all I'm saying. If we write all of our messages in Rot 13, they will be safe from prying eyes, the prying eyes of the NSA. No one's going to figure that out. No. It'll, it'll be safe. Okay. <laughs> it's like, um, what's going to happen is that like everybody's going to come over and look over the shoulder and say, it kind of looks like Rot 13. You think, have you tried it? And the guy is going to be like, no, nobody's that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds that something would we could run rot 13 on it and it would actually have have words that are that are criminal now i want to find or implement uh, an encryption algorithm that encrypts to something that when you run it through rot, rot 13 turns into like sensible plain text of some kind Ooh, ooh. but that's not the actual decoded message that's just a red herring i see what you're saying so as I recall from my cryptology class that I took, it would it would like translate everything into something related to food because apparently cryptologists like to that makes sense keywords that are food related. Then Alice and Bob, the famous edible examples. <laughs> Delicious. That's me. Okay. And Alex, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Sure. I'm Alex Diener. If you call me Diner, I won't mind. I'm used to it. About half of the people in the world seem to. Uh, also known as Them's All Took for some reason. Yeah, you don't you don't remember what the reason was? It's, it's in the distant past? Yeah, it's a complicated story. <laughs> this is fair. If you don't think it's an interesting, complicated story, we can skip it. We can skip it. Well, all right. I can give the story. Sure. I, I want to hear the story. I'm I'm desperately curious about the story now. All right. So uh, this was at my first job. I was doing uh, audio processing for a language learning company. And there was a lull in audio work. Uh, and they sent me down to the logistics department where I was uh, making boxes for shipping products out. And uh, there was another employee, sort of a local boy with kind of a funny voice. Uh, he came in and struck up a conversation. First thing he ever said to me was, hey, I thought you was one of the smart people upstairs. What I have you doing down here? <laughs> so <laughs> that's my best impression of his voice. It's kind of a kind of a high voice. I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, so he gets to talking about all sorts of things. And somehow, let's see, when was this? This would have been early 2000s. We were talking about uh, what at the time was America Online. Uh, and uh, he said something about screen names on there. I tried to get me a good one, but them's all took. Oh. That was his way of saying all the screen names are taken. Yeah. Then like a few years later, I was signing up for an AOL Instant Messenger account, and I just could not think of what name I wanted to put in there. And somehow that popped into my head, and I entered the name, and it wasn't all took. So that 
that ended up being the name I went by there. And then it just kind of followed me through all the other communities I became a part of after that. I guess my modern online handle is Mogwai Poet. And it's just, that was the only thing I could get Gmail to accept when I was signing up for Gmail. <laughs> I like tried all of the, like all possible, like of available digits of pi, like. Mm. <laughs> it, oh, that was back when, wait, you said it was for Gmail, right? It was for Gmail. It was like in oh, 2005 okay. or something. I was going to say, because am I remembering correctly that AOL screen names could only be 10 characters? I don't that know. That might be true. Because Mogwai uh, Poet is 10 characters. Mine would be 11, I guess. Maybe at one time. I Well, I think eventually, especially with AIM, like you could go, they made them longer. Yeah, okay. I'm having a distant memory way back in like actual AOL, like in the yeah. 90s. I, <laughs> I played Mortal Kombat back then and I wanted to name myself Scorpion because that was the character I played. Mm. And... The name that AOL gave back to me when I entered that was Scorp87176, 10 characters. So that was my handle back then, Scorp87176. Somehow I still remember the numbers. Both of those are excellent stories about, like, origin stories of usernames, I have to say. <laughs> like, we need to track down the, the Them's All Took guy. It's really yeah. remarkable what numbers we remember from our child. Like, I remember, I remember the phone number for my grandma's house when the, her family lived in Islip Terrace in like 1985. Uh, I don't remember any phone numbers since then. <laughs> Is it something about your, your brain being especially malleable at that age and also not needing to retain a ton of phone numbers? Oh yeah, it's certainly like certainly like kids are way better at learning new than remembering new things. It's even teenagers. Uh. Yeah, everything is so significant because there's just less of everything that you've right. experienced. Yeah, I mean, we're going to we're going to get to kid talk soon, so. Yeah. Anyway, right, before I forget, I should plug the thing I wanted to plug. So, another Discord server, the Thinky Puzzle Games Discord server is something that I've enjoyed a lot. It's larger than the Topic Lords Discord server, but still manages to feel like a community. There's a permanent invite link open at thinkypuzzlegames.com. So if you enjoy Sokobans or that style of game, puzzle games where you really have to think through a solution and reason it out carefully, that is a good place to go for that. Are they into like the tunics? Yeah, to some degree. Uh, that's kind of a little on the fringes, but there's there has definitely been tunic talk there. Yeah, so more like more like a, a Alan Hazelden thing. Yes, this was actually started by Alan Hazelden. This server was. Oh, that makes sense. Are you ready to start on some topics? Let's talk about some topics. Mm -hmm. uh, Alex, your topic is that time I spent four days fasting in the woods. Yeah. So this was an experience that I had 19 years ago. I was just thinking about it uh, the other day for some reason. and thought it might be an interesting story to tell. So this was back then I was into Tom Brown's tracker school, uh, a wilderness survival sort of thing. Um, you could go away for a week and learn survival skills and spiritual traditions and all sorts of weird stuff. There are some family friends I had who were really into this stuff and they got me into it too. And what I was doing was sort of an offshoot of this. So they call it a vision quest. So yeah, this is going into the woods sitting in one spot for four days, not eating anything, um, just kind of spending time communing with nature, getting to know yourself, um, some spiritual significance to it, depending on how much you want to believe in that part of it. But yeah, so I decided I wanted to have one of these experiences. And um, the way it worked out was there was a place fairly locally that I could do it. It was about an hour's drive away from my home. And there were two experienced instructors who were running the whole thing. Three, I don't know if it called ourselves students or just three questers, people who were there to uh, to sit in the woods and do their thing. And a few days of instruction. And oh, we all, um, it was recommended to switch to a vegetarian diet for a month beforehand, just to prepare our bodies for not having any food at all. So I did that. It was interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so a bunch of advice about how to, how to have a a good time, a productive time, a safe time out there. And then after a few days of that, the three of us went into the spots that we had chosen and just kind of sat down and 
spent some time with ourselves. So these were all separate. I didn't, I wasn't really aware of the other two who were out there in the woods with me. I knew they were there somewhere, but we weren't in, weren't in line of sight or anything. I learned a lot of things about myself while I was there. Um, one of the main things was like sitting and doing nothing for four days is excruciatingly boring. <laughs> uh, should come as no surprise. Probably that was probably the most, um, the most noticeable sensation that I had. Second was I was pretty hungry because I wanted to eat stuff. I wasn't used to fasting for that long. But getting past both of those things, it was actually fairly pleasant. Like uh, I had overall a pretty good time with this. I uh, had a number of animal encounters that were interesting. Um, lizards scurrying through my my place. Uh, spotted some deer at some point and then they ran off. Yeah, I've I've definitely heard never had the chance myself that fasting is actually actually feels pretty good after you get past the hunger mm-hmm yeah so it was so yeah this was a four day long experience it was it was day four before I started kind of getting past the hunger and my body just seemed to calm down and say okay this is what we're doing um let's just enjoy it while it lasts I was gonna say the, the thing about the the hunger too when, when you were doing this, Besides being hungry, was there ever like a moment of fear about, oh no, I, I am, I, I am not nourished and I'm, I'm like something is going to go wrong or, or were you like, were hmm. you in control of, of that sensation? I think I was fairly in control of that sensation. Uh, there was one night when, um, some kind of animal was getting real close and like snuffling around my area. And I was a little worried about that for a moment, but, uh. I think that was the only only time when I was really feeling like, uh-oh, what's going on here? The rest of it was just just kind of trying to keep control of my own emotions and things, I guess. When you say you were sitting, were you just on the ground or were you like upright or I I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to visualize this. Yeah, so uh kind of like a little 10-foot circle of like a clearing in the woods. Um I remember the ground being, I guess it was pine needles on the ground mostly. And I know I had a sleeping bag there, but not, not much other stuff. It was, the idea was to go in with pretty much nothing. I had clothes on, so, you know, I wasn't just right. sitting naked on the ground or anything. Uh, I had water to drink and that was most of it. Yeah. So I was just like reading over my, my notes for, uh, that I'd written to myself and I had done this cause I had this was 19 years ago, so I've forgotten some parts of it, but yeah, just basically like controlling my emotions, make sure, making sure I didn't like abandon the thing too early. There were, there were times when I was tempted after a couple of days, just this is dragging on forever. Should I, should I just leave? No, I want to see it through. No, but I want to leave. No, I want to see it through. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say like, how do you, how do you know when it was time to stop? Um, or were you just perpetually aware like, okay, I just need to get past one more night and then I can go. Yeah, pretty much. There was a, uh, there was a ritual that all of us did at each sunrise where we'd, we had, uh, four wooden sticks and we'd actually leave the, the site and walk out to a designated spot and put down a stick just to let the, the instructors know we're still okay. We're still alive. We're still here doing this. Right. 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 right okay. So yeah, sunrise was the, was the marker of, uh, when a day had gone by, but yeah, I could imagine kind of losing track of some of that. But yeah, for me, it was just the time. The time was just interminable. Everything took so long. But yeah, when the final sunrise came on day four and it was time to go, I actually kind of didn't really want to leave at that point. Like all the other times prior to that, it's like, I'm ready for this to be over. I'm ready for this to be over. But when it was over, I thought, I want to stay here just a little longer. But people were expecting me. So I had to had to go and end yeah, the experience. But you, but you could just keep not eating. That's <laughs> true. I could have. That part I don't think I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, this is something I, I've, met, I've been meaning to ask is, like, for someone who wants to replicate this experience, how important do you think it is that it be part of this whole process and that also that it be in nature? Like, could I go sit in my guest bedroom for four days and get the same thing? You probably could. Um, I feel like the issue with that would be that it's, it would be a lot easier to quit because you don't have any external structure around it. And I'm also like a two minute walk from, you know, the fridge. That too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
But with enough self-control, I imagine you could get a lot of the experience that way. You know, minus the the parts where you're close to nature and having animal encounters and learning more about the trees immediately above your head. So trees, the trees that were above me were constantly dripping water on me, I learned. There's like these little <laughs> water drops coming down. Thinking, Is it raining? What's going on? But no, it was, it was the trees. Uh, what What season was this? This was in June, so summer, I guess. And what part of the world? Uh, rural Virginia. So really, um, okay. Yep. That's. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm fascinated by this. Mm-hmm. Um. I and so so I, I was thinking about the um, the the idea of okay, could I do this in a guest bedroom? And it seems to me that the other the other part of it would would that seems significant is the removal of anything related to your like familiar surroundings. Yes. Definitely. Because I can imagine, like, even if I'm somewhere that I'm not usually, but it's somewhere that I know, I am going to be aware that, okay, beyond this door is, I turn right, and then I go here, and then I'm in a bathroom, and then I'm in, you know, over this way. The yeah, office, you would be in like familiar that, right? surroundings there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So after after this happened then, mm-hmm. um, what what was different? Like, I don't know if you can quantify it, but like... Oh, I can. I, okay, please do. <laughs> yes, so the main difference that I noticed in myself after this experience was... That whole time was the last time in my life that I ever experienced the sensation of boredom. I got it all out of the way at once. It was those four days of sitting and doing absolutely nothing. It's just nothing else that would have bored me before can compare to that anymore. <laughs> like you did the most boring thing. Uh-huh. I've made jokes about like wanting to get all my pooping out of the way at once. <laughs> but Yeah, that, it's kind of like that. That seems like... Like if this actually works, that's incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an impactful experience. Another more minor thing, like this one actually faded away after a time, but something I really noticed was, um, so after I came out, you know, we, uh, uh, said our goodbyes and I had to drive an hour home after this whole thing. Driving was weird. Like (laughs) the main thing was like oncoming traffic. You know, I'm on a two lane road. There's one lane going in one direction, one lane going in the other direction. Every car that was coming at me going the other way felt like it was going to hit me. Like I had to had to actually resist, uh, you know, pulling over and just letting them go by. Yeah. Wow. So I don't know what it was about that. Just like it, it changed my perception of, of driving for, for a short time. That one, that one went away, fortunately. What about just not driving for four days? Hmm. That's normal for me. I don't drive that often, actually. Okay. So, but that, that doesn't happen if you just like... You just forgot where the car is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reminded of the sensation of if you go on a very long road trip and you're on, on the road for several hours at a time and then you pull over to stop and you've gotten so used to the feeling or the the experience of things that are far away becoming closer that your your vision has like traces. Oh, yeah. I don't know if, if you, <laughs> it's a similar thing, but the like the opposite. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> you get so used to nothing <laughs> coming at you that now everything's coming at you. So much motion all at once. Right. For some reason, I conflated this with like, also, you didn't sleep for four days. Uh, yeah, there was actually a surprising amount of sleeping there. The, <laughs> the instructors advised me to sleep as little as possible, but I ended up getting a full night's sleep every night and took some naps during the day just because there was absolutely nothing to do. Like, I, I could not stay awake as much as I thought I wanted to. Right. In your dreams, you can have novel experiences. <laughs> Surprisingly, let's see, I actually wrote this in my journal that I had just reviewed before this. My dreams were pretty normal there. I guess just that was a little little slice of home that I could take with me inside my mind. And that was where I retreated to at night. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a fascinating experience. I would never do it again. But once was a good time. I'm, I'm really, I'm envious because it seems like that's the kind of thing that would be a really cool thing to do like in your 20s. Mhm. Yes, I was 20 years old at the time. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, well this is just like how none of my friends want to go to Safeway at at 1 a.m. and and riff on the novelty <laughs> breakfast products. <laughs> and it's not that they don't want to, it's just that like everybody's got, you know, they've got a job or a kid or something or both or a wife, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. something responsibilities that, that means they, they they really should be sleeping at 1 a.m i'm reminded jim of a time when you and me and nan all went 
to Foster's Freeze in North Berkeley. Rather apropos of nothing. Do you remember that? I don't, but this sounds amazing. This it, is... it, yeah, like I don't, I don't remember what it was. I want to do this just, right now. It was like a, it was a warm. I think it was probably a summer night, and it was just like I, I forget which of us was craving ice cream, but it was just like let's go to Foster's Freeze, <laughs> and we and and the many of us, the three of us, all went up there. I think we I think we drove. And we just had giant Foster's Freeze ice cream things. Anyway, novel experiences. That's very good. Are we uh, are we ready for another topic? I think so. Sure. John, your topic is twins coming soon. <sighs> yep. Um, that was a so sound I... that I used to um, describe <laughs> how sonic showers sound. They just <laughs> they just scream at you till you're clean. The the dirt gets so embarrassed <laughs> at being yelled at that it flees. Yes. So um, my spouse and I are expecting twins. Possibly by the time this podcast is released. Oh, wow. Ooh, very yeah. soon. Yeah, we're, it's, so she's at 32 weeks right now. Yeah, and so due date is at 40, but they're twins, so they're probably coming early. Yeah, usually with, with twins, I think they, they try to aim for like week 37, they consider full term for twins. Yeah, this is grading on a curve, but okay. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, uh, just keeps getting closer, uh, closer and closer and closer. And Jim, you're a parent. Yeah. Did you did you oscillate through in the in the lead up to becoming a parent? Did you oscillate through like ah, I think I'm going to be okay. I think I've got this figured out. And oh no, what am I doing? <laughs> because that's where I am. Like, I mean, this is something that like whenever I'm thinking, anticipating anything, how I feel about it is largely dependent on my overall mood. Yeah, okay. Like, if I'm in a good mood, I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to be fine. But if I'm already in a bad mood, or if it's, like, late at night and I can't sleep, I'm like, we're fucked. Yeah. Like, so much of it is dependent on, like, how, on the kid's temperament. Mm -hmm. Like, so your life is definitely, like, just completely upended. Hopefully, hopefully you've got the body chemistry that makes you like it anyway. <laughs> you probably do. That's normal for humans. It's like evolutionarily... Yes. It's important. <laughs> but there are people who it doesn't work for and those that's a shitty life. It's it's really like you you just there's just no way unless you've I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what would give you the experience to to understand what's coming for you. Uh yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing. like maybe, Be, I mean being up close to it when someone else is going through it is is probably the best I can imagine. Maybe, but like I was there when my mom had my sister. I was 9. Mm. And but I was not cognizant enough of what was happening to. But yeah, like there's there's really like just 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 expect the unexpected. <laughs> expect that like you know you're gonna be going through some shit. <laughs> literally, um, and you, you literally yeah, and you're gonna love it probably. Yeah, I'm hopeful that that it's all going to. Whenever I start to fret, I always say, "What if it all works out?" You know, which I think is a, is a good way of thinking yeah. about it. But yeah, yeah, don't borrow trouble. But uh, but the other aspect of it is just okay. So becoming a parent is one thing, but also the twins of it all. The oh, two yeah. of them of it all. Yeah, I, I have no idea what that's going to be like. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to ask if either of you have experience knowing twins uh, or having relations, or the the thing that comes to mind is that. Uh, you can take advantage of economy of scale. Uh, so just, you buy twice as many chicken nuggets. It's going to be cheaper. Like, but, but like um, you can buy the, you can get the group on for college tuition. So taking care of two kids is in some ways it's twice as much work, but once they get old enough, they can actually entertain each other. Right. Which is nice. Like I, you know, Winston is an only child, but like, when he is in the room with a friend, he's actually like way less of a of a handful, assuming it's going well. Sometimes this does not work out. But a lot of the time he's way less of a handful. And so is the other kid mm. uh, then because they're they're hanging out with each other instead of like demanding that we pay attention to them all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was going to say, and he's he's what like. Is he? He's not quite five yet, right? Winston is going to be five on the. Oh, I should know this on the seventh, I think. Mm. Wow, that's coming right up. Yep. By about that age, hopefully they will 
be able to entertain each other somewhat. Yeah. That I'm just dealing with the uncertainty of it all by mm-hmm. <laughs> by hanging my uh, my fears on milestones. Do you, do you have a support network out there? Do you have like family that can come by? Well, I don't have anyone living nearby really. Um, do you have plans to fly people out? Yeah, so my my mother is going to be staying with us for probably a couple of weeks. Okay. Like two or three two or three weeks right around the time when we're going to be when we're expecting to go to the hospital and and everything else. Right. Um and then we also um another you remember my friend Maddie? Yeah. She's a uh, yeah, she she's going to be coming out for a week. Is, is Maddie bringing her kids? No, she's she's going to be just uh, just by herself. Okay. All right, so all she'll right. be able to actually help out around the house, we hope. And then our friend uh, our other friend Haley who lives in lives in Oregon actually is a mother of twins, twin girls. So she's going to be out for another week as well. So we're at least for the first month going to have another person around yeah. at all times to kind of just make sure we're not we're not going insane. That's so. I would say that's the bare minimum you want to do. And what what's your parental leave situation? So it's actually pretty good. Um, Nan is going to be able to take off nearly six months, and it's gonna. Okay. I think it's gonna be yeah. mostly paid as well. That's not bad at all. Yeah. yeah, and then and then I also I also get six months of time off, but only a portion of it's gonna be paid. And you should consider whether you want to take those concurrently. So we the plan has been that we are going to do them consecutively so she would take right. her time off while i'm still working and then i would take my time off and yeah because um, that way at least we get to one year old hopefully by the end of it and then um yeah and then it's like preschool age or you know a nanny or something like that so. yeah 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 you i mean daycare is unavoidable and yeah and it's heartbreaking but also like like my, my personal experience with daycare was like expecting that like oh he's just gonna miss us all the time but it was we we sent him to daycare like actually i can't remember we did I th- i'm pretty sure we did start sending him to daycare before covid started so mm. that, like when he was around one um and it was very clear that like being around people other than the two of us was good for him yeah so i, I can imagine so it's it's a trade-off like it is a little bit like it's sad to not to like be like well the kid sees probably more of this person than of me uh <laughs> But a variety of people might be. Yes, a variety of people is good. Being around other kids is good. Like, this is how we're supposed to live. Like, daycare is really kind of like a, it is kind of a microcosm of the communal living we're supposed to have as, you know, humans. Right, right, right. I remember at at a previous job where I worked, after I worked at the theater, but before I finished my master's, um, I was at this office where... It was a family business, and the the two adults were both there on most days, and they had a daughter who was like four years old. And because this was an office, and they had, you know, a babysitter would just come to the office all day, but the kid would be running around talking to everyone. This was like the most confident, socialized kid I've ever met. She was just <laughs> constantly like, new person would come in to start work, and she'd be like, Hi, what can I show you what I'm working on? And you know, just she would just just anyone who came in, she would just instantly engage with them and everything else. So that is, it seems like that's a good idea to to get them out and about. And but we'll 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 see. Yeah, it's very exciting stuff. It's like nothing else, and and that that that's in good both good and bad ways. Like if I were to tell you child rearing stories like they almost all suck <laughs> like it, it would it would leave you with a really bad impression of of the practice uh but somehow it's great like who knows how that works uh, i i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah i i guess there's always the fear that i'll be you know we'll we'll be in the middle of of the first uh couple of weeks and we'll have people there helping out and they'll be like oh yeah surprise <laughs> <laughs> This is what you're in for. No, I, it, I'm sure it's going to be fine. And now this is going to be an artifact that when they are all grown up, they can they can listen to this and listen to me <laughs> expressing yeah. my fears. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder how Winston is going to feel. You know, there are definitely like I don't know if you've ever seen this happen, but like there are people who like eat, make a living even like posting 
their kids to social media. Oh yeah. And then their kids get old enough to like, be like, I don't like this. Right. Right. You know, like I remember seeing, I don't know if I actually saw this or just read about it. Like the kids started wearing shirts saying, I do not consent to be photographed. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Give the, give the child a a full face sun sunglasses set up. Right. And if it's not your income, then it's much easier like to say like, okay, I can respect your, like, I'm not paying the bills with this. So I can, I can just choose to respect your wishes. But I definitely wonder, like, how is Winston going to feel about, I talked about his upbringing in, not not in detail, but like fairly frequently over the past, you know, 200 episodes of Topic Lords. Huh. And I don't know, like, is he going to think this is interesting or is he going to think like I violated his privacy? <laughs> Maybe both at different times of his life. Or is he just not going to give a shit? See, the fun part will be when he starts becoming a guest. I mean, he's already, he's already shown up on the show. Like he's, he's, uh, he had a conversation with Erica about scrub jays. That was pretty good. I need to, I need to go back and catch these deep cuts. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been a, he's been a charmer every time he's shown up. Yeah. I, when it comes to the social media question, and this may be a little bit of a diversion and I, uh, we can go on from this, but, um, we're, we're planning a rather elaborate system for, sharing media with like a allow list oh sure um mm-hmm. that, yeah. that, that doesn't involve any of the social media platforms that exist so it's essentially like a linux box on our network that people can tunnel into <laughs> with credentials and is this for you so this is this is going to be for us to share with other people right so for people who are interested in seeing baby photos Oh, I see. You will not be able to see them on Facebook, for example. Okay. You may not be able to even know what they're named on Facebook. <laughs> um, but our our solution is to have this this private place where we can easily upload photos from our phones to this private network, and then have people, you know, everyone has their own login and things like that. So it it, yeah. it might be paranoid, but I remember several several years ago, like. I got a NeoCities account because I was NeoCities is like it's it's like a modern um trying to recreate the feel of what it was like to have a GeoCities website. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. I got a NeoCities account with the intent of like we could make a, and I registered the domain stormdancer.life. <laughs> so, you know, like we can share our, you know, family stuff on this uh. website. And our wife was like, okay, how can we make sure that only the people we allow can see it. And I was like, right. oh, right. This is, and like legit, this is why people, like this is a major reason why people use Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Like, because you have you can set permissions on who can see your photos. Right. Hmm. And that's a big deal. And it's a big deal. And it's hard to replicate in any like user-friendly way with your own website. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I'm, I'm, the clock is ticking for me to get this actually figured out, but. I think I think this solution is is going to work, but but it's going to just be more upkeep. But the, yeah, I mean the other issue with Facebook is, of course, you know, once something's on Facebook, then Facebook has it, and they can use it for training data or whatever else they want to do with, you know, as soon as if if the laws don't keep up with whatever their capabilities are. Right. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm again. It may be a degree of paranoia that is that is excessive. But uh, sounds like a good policy to me. I had. Uh... So I had a collection of family photos that I was trying to share with uh, family members recently. And I decided the only safe way to do it was to keep them completely off the internet. And I just handed out USB flash drives to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely understand the the paranoia. And we thought about like, maybe we just, maybe we just send people mail and just like, like print things out and send yeah. them periodically and just let them have, let them have a, photo albums <laughs> i gotta say it's cool to get a letter yep that's true but it's so much more work it's so much more work yeah yeah i mean well so we were talking about um uh miss the prank collective mischief mschf were the ones who mm. made uh tax he- tax heaven 3000 if you remember that <laughs> i don't know if i do oh it was uh it was a game it's a it's a visual novel on steam where you're dating somebody who's really interested in your personal information. 
Uh, and oh, at the end of the game, it, heard of this. it like gives you, here are the forms you mail to the IRS to file your taxes. It gives you PDFs. <laughs> wow. Uh, one of the things they did, one of, one of the, one of their drops was um, you could write a message and pick a Senator and it would use a, like a robot hand to scroll your message, like in crayon in a child's handwriting and mail it to that Senator. <laughs> That's real good. It is yeah. really good. And I'm wondering, like, would it just ruin everything about sending a letter if I could send a letter like an email and there would be this, I'd just pay, you know, this service some amount of money and they would, even if they just printed it on a piece of paper and put it in an envelope uh, and mailed it, would that ruin the, the ruin the, the concept of sending a letter? Because hmm. Because then you're just, then you're just doing like, business reply mail <laughs> right just just send send your baby photos to a specific zip code <laughs> <laughs> yeah everyone in that census tract gets one i remember back when i was deep into the demo scene it became a thing so you know you meet somebody from finland on irc and like i'm gonna uh, you just you decide you, you'll exchange floppy disks and you mail each other floppy international postage. You mail each other some floppy disks and and write a little note. And I never got into this because my handwriting was so bad. I just oh no, I just hated to. I hated to write. Mm -hmm. I still hate to write. It still it just feels bad. Man, I I remember sending random stuff to people I wrote or I met on the internet. I remember like making friends on prodigy boards, and and someone sent me a whole like legal sized envelope with a bunch of creative writing samples. Oh wow. Nice. Well, we were like we were like, you know, twelve or something. But but yeah, it was a it was a good time back then. That is good. You get an auto get an auto pen, Jim. It it just writes by itself. I so my understanding of an auto pen is that if you have someone who is very important who you want to have signing a bunch of things, <laughs> then you capture their signature as a recorded motion. And then the auto pen can replay that motion with a pen. So, for example, politicians who need to thank donors, sometimes they'll use the auto pen to sign the thank you letter. Yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at images now. I think the only ethical way to do this, if like you want to uh, do a bunch of like sign once and you're actually signing many things is not to have something that replays the signature but to have a pen that is connected to a matrix of 500 other pens and you put a piece of paper underneath each one and then you sign it once and then you're moving all the other pens as well. Oh, I see. So it's just... So you really, you really did sign all 500 sheets of paper. So you still have to sign it each time, but you'll have 500... Except like you're, it's like, feels like moving a boulder because... <laughs> yeah. It, like your power armor auto pen... <laughs> Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, you need power steering. Exactly. That would be a fun thing to watch do its work. I bet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for another topic? Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, my topic is the Zelda One Second Quest. Okay, so context. I should provide context here. Uh, Legend of Zelda is an action-adventure game for the NES that was released in 1987 in the United States. Uh, and this was like the very... Um, influential work that is has been the origin of many many of the of the uh action explorey kind of games you've probably played since then and one of the things that's interesting about it both from like a design standpoint and technologically is that once you finish the game it's there's a there's a uh, nowadays they call it new game plus and like it's actually a different game like not totally different like the a lot of it's the same but it's different enough in meaningful ways that it that it is like a, a significant new challenge. And I kind of wanted to get into the ways that it's different. And I don't know that I can provide context for the, like, like, I think this, this topic might actually just be for people who've played Zelda one and maybe even finished it. Mm -hmm. Well, similar to how you would enter the second quest, you have to first finish the first quest <laughs> before right, you can... Yeah. And then you can, and then you can listen to this topic. Exactly. 
So everyone pause, go, go yeah, play. Yeah, there's, there's no uh, cheat where you name yourself Zelda to get to the second quest for understanding this topic. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Man, can you imagine like the people who did that by mistake? I've Just seen like, it happen. Oh, it really? <laughs> I saw um, there was the, 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 this famous uh, Dark Souls streamer uh, whose name I forget decided like i'm gonna go back and play zelda one for the first time and like he'd, he'd been this is an extremely like this is a this is definitely a guy who like is very good at both like uh, action rpg combat and figuring out obscure puzzles hmm. um and so it was a good fit but he called i think like in the in the in a making the why can't metroid crawl joke mm -hmm. um he called his he called link zelda and started the game and like was playing for like i think half an hour until he was like he finally looked over at at the at, at um chat and was like and saw people explaining what was happening <laughs> i mean do you, so maybe now this is a good moment to get into the ways in which it's different yes yeah the one of the reasons i'm talking about this with you on the show is so that you can talk about this too because you have personal experience with this yeah, so I went through the second quest just recently for not exactly the first time, but I, I finished it for the first time. I had played the first quest lots of times over the course of my life, but I had never actually beaten the second one. So yeah. just, just a couple of months ago, I have recent experience with this. Right, right. So so jump in if you have something to add. Sure, certainly. So new mechanics, like there, there are mechanics that they left, they held back mm -hmm. for the second quest. Like there's a... A, a new thing where you can, instead of bombing your way through walls in dungeons, you can just walk through the wall. Mm -hmm. There's a place in the overworld where you can walk through a wall in the first quest, but it's kind of a one-off weird thing. Yeah, that's easier to discover and a little bit different too. Yeah. There's also like no indication that you can walk through any walls. Well, that's the same with the bombs though. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, it's not like in later games where like there there are cracks in the walls. Ah, uh, yes. Like the indication is that like there's there there should be something here, just like from what I know about how level design works. <laughs> or like, you know, there's a square in the map I haven't been to. So in, in the, the first quest, there are these like flashing skull things, I guess, that when you bump into them, you lose the ability to swing your sword for like five seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're flashing red and blue, and in the second quest, they're separated into red and blue bubbles. The red ones take your take away your ability to to swing your sword until you touch a blue bubble, which gives it back. And they do things with level design to like make this. They don't go as far, nearly as far as they could have. Yeah, there's there is some restraint in this, but but like I, I think just the fact that this, I think the anticipation of like, oh, how bad is this gonna get? is actually like the main value of these uh of this particular uh enemy is like making the player wonder like okay is it am i gonna have to like backtrack through the whole dungeon in level nine and sometimes oh. you kind of do because like you can definitely get yourself into a situation where like this effect doesn't go away if you leave the dungeon it doesn't go away if you save and quit the game and start your save file again if you don't know how to fix this you can be stuck without your sword for a very long time until you remember <laughs> where you saw a blue bubble right yeah wow okay so i i think i knew about the red bubbles that take your sword away for the entire room i didn't realize it was it was just permanent yeah that's wow that's brutal <laughs> Yeah, it is. There are other ways to end the effect, but if you don't know about them, then then they might as well be out of reach. What are the other ways? So the other ways are if you go to a fairy fountain, that actually fixes it. Oh, okay. And collecting a Triforce piece does too, but you're not likely to do that if you don't have access to your sword. <laughs> the fairy fountain is pretty intuitive, though. Like, I feel like if you were like, something is wrong with me, I will go to the healing spring. Mm. I think that is that is merciful. Yes, I think also using the the potion item fixes it. Yeah, that seems right because it's basically like a portable fairy, but that costs right. a lot of money, and you can only carry two of them. Right. Uh, the the leave your life or money rooms. Oh yeah, those. <gasps> it's super. Like so, you, you, in in the first quest, there are rooms you will encounter where. It says take any one you want and you can get uh, a healing item or a permanent health maximum HP upgrade. 
Uh, and the answer is always take the maximum HP upgrade. And like, it's almost like, like who would fall for this trick to take the wrong one? Like maybe a speed run, maybe there's like a speed run tactic or something, but even that, I don't, I don't know. Like, it feels like it's just a, like, just a trap for like, to make you feel bad later when you realize how much, much of a fool you were. Screwed up your build. <laughs> Yeah, similarly, um, the leave your life or money room asks you to pay 50 rupees or lose a maximum HP. And again, except in the extremely short term, there's it's not really a choice. Unless, unless you're in a situation in which you don't have 50 rupees. Mm -hmm. I think it might actually be 100. So yeah, it is, it is not then cheap. Then you leave the dungeon and come back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it. And this is remember this is after you've 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 finished the first campaign so you know how the game works and you know that like this this new campaign is more difficult you want more health not less I I think the answer like even if you're stuck in the dungeon and this does happen like there are dungeon there's at least one dungeon I can think of where like the door locks behind you and you have to get through the leave your life or money room to get to the triforce piece and the way out is to either die and return to the beginning of the dungeon or just reset the console Mm -hmm. uh, but I think more interesting than the new mechanics is just the design choices. Like they do things in the the dungeon design that they, they just wouldn't do that to you in the first campaign. There are large portions of some dungeons that are just a trap. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing good there. Uh, and if you had a map in front of you, you'd, you'd never go there. And they're hard to get out of, like yeah. by design. Like long branches that lead to a place where it's like an underground location where there's just a single heart or something stupid like that, or like one rupee. Rooms that are just full of enemies, and like you get the drops that the enemies give you, but that's 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 it. That's all that's there. There's no items. That's not a way forward. Um, and another thing that I think is interesting that they didn't do in the first campaign is there are places you you have to backtrack you have to go back to earlier dungeons to get things that you couldn't get before with the new items you now have oh yeah that's right and i think i don't think it was i don't think they ever locked abilities behind this i think it was always just like keys yeah but keys are the key economy in this game is in this campaign is it's built such that no you have to go back and i think like maybe you could grind out the money and buy them somewhere but i couldn't find a key shop mm -hmm. Is there a magic key in Zelda 1? I know there is in Zelda 2. Yes, yeah, there is. Eventually. Eventually. I think in both campaigns it appears very late. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so one particular moment I remember in the second quest that really stood out to me was there was a... So this was a place where paying very close attention to the map paid off. There was like one of these long dead-end paths, except the dead end at the end of it was a door, an obvious door, you could walk through and end up in a uh, a room you had already been in, but it's impossible to go back through the, the door. It just turns into a solid wall. Right. So then you have to go through the entire gauntlet again and realize that in that room, you have to kill all the enemies and push a hidden block to make a stairway appear uh, instead of taking the obvious door that would take you back to where you've already been on the map. Yeah. It's remarkable, like how hard they went with this. Like it's, yeah, I it love is it. not an easy thing to get through. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's a, um, at least, in at least one level, there you get to the Triforce room, and the way the correct way forward is like a secret exit from the Triforce room. Oh yeah, like like there's an important item that you can only get by like okay now I reached the end of the dungeon. Let's keep going. Oh wow! So okay, so you've beaten the boss, you've gotten to the Triforce room, and if you get the Triforce, it'll kick you out to the beginning. Yes, like you need to actually like go around the structure and yes. go through the wall. Wow! Yeah, it's it's cool. That's like. I'm I'm reminded of it's um, very subver subversive. Yeah, I think they played with something like that much much later in Breath of the Wild in one of the shrines uh -huh. where there was a, a chest behind the statue that you oh, go to at the cool. end. Oh, yeah, which is like I think there's exactly one that does that. That's great. I love it. You'll, you only need the one, but but yeah, it just it, like and that little that little subversion is like just enough to upend everything you know about everything else right yeah 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 that's the little little secrets like that you just need oh. the player just needs to find one in order to yep. to feel like the the world is full of mystery yeah 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 oh it's so good mm -hmm. what about um 
other, other so things that I remember about it is it only in the second quest where it has the pay me for the door repair guys? No, that's in the first quest too. Is it really okay? Yeah, I because I, I feel maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of the. I'm, the I'm pretty sure in the second quest though you can get just walk into an open cave and get one of those. Oh yeah. So you <laughs> <laughs> like there was no door, dude. Just <laughs> it's it's an insurance scam. Yeah. <laughs> He's just waiting for someone to come in and take the fall. Okay, so I have another question, though, about this. Um, is this recorded anywhere where we understand the calculus of adding the second quest, which seems to, again, such a fully-fledged, different game Yeah. Um, with all this additional stuff? Like, was it intended that this was how we, they always wanted the game to be, and then they realized, hey, we need to tone it down? I've got a little bit of information about this, and this all comes from, like, the Iwata Asks series, which is like one of the only and it's getting better now but but like for a while like there was a book called game over i think it was it was a book about like about nintendo where the author this was published in like 1991 where the author interviewed a bunch of people at nintendo uh and in response to like reading the book nintendo was like we're just never going to give interviews again they just decided like (laughs) to close off like this is now a closed company we do not talk about our processes but like iwata asks uh, Satoru Iwata was um, the president, I think, of Nintendo for a while, uh, and he he did a lot of interviews with with developers about like games they games they had just made, but also games that like tell us about Super Mario Brothers. What was the development process for that like? And it was an incredible series of like r- like resources for people people trying to study this stuff. Uh, so here's what I remember: is that they they originally wanted it to be infinite like new you just keep getting new quests oh wow Wow. which would be incredible it would be roguelike basically uh and i think that's doable nowadays i mean certainly doable nowadays but like back then i think that was like they were right to scale back that ambition i was gonna say that sounds like the like the zelda randomizers oh Mm -hmm. sure yeah Yes, so the, it's definitely so it's like, doable nowadays. Yeah, it's, so they exactly. intended I think that's for the randomizer great... to be the the ground state of the game, right? Uh, and the other thing is that one of the things that allowed this to happen technically was that the the person doing the level, the dungeon design, accidentally only used half the space available. They were like, "I I, I, I did it, guys! I, I crammed the dungeon designs into the space Phew. we had," and then they were like, "You know, we've got twice as much space as this, actually." Uh, <laughs> wow uh so but but did it get to did it get to the question of of which one was the the intended game because i i almost I, like i maybe i'm wrong about this but i remember nintendo games just being really really hard yeah especially early on so i it wouldn't surprise me if they started with the second quest and then said wait a minute we need to scale this back because this isn't fun for most people in terms of like maybe they started like maybe they they put the red and blue bubbles in the main campaign. And after playtesting, they were like, let's not do this mm. and pulled it back to the, the second quest. But I'm pretty sure like, it feels to me like that was the intended uh, way to play the game was with the, with, it was the first quest. It just feels too polished to be anything else. Huh. That is an interesting idea though. Like I could sort of see it being the other way around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, I mean that's a that's a very common thing in in for game developers to like they make the game and then they make the easy mode mm-hmm. for for people who weren't <laughs> didn't just spend two years making and playing this game for it to be fun for them. Yeah, easy easy levels can be harder to make than hard levels. Definitely true. Yeah, yeah. That's why all the Mario ROM packs are the hardest level ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The the Kaizo Mario games. Yep. Where it's like you start and you fall into a pit. You just do that endlessly. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's sorry. I'm I'm fascinated by the idea that that having a, a randomized or or having an infinite number of quests that you could complete was something that was considered. Because I I, I don't remember if I've talked about the Zelda randomizers before, but I'm I'm like deeply interested in the Link to the Past randomizer. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where I've been like, can I make a data set about when certain things happen and then find patterns and like, if you see this, this early in the seed, then this means you are more likely to win. Oh, interesting. And the similar, Mm -hmm. similar to the way that, you know, people do, you know, percent likelihood that someone's going to win a chess match based on the positions of things. So 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the randomizer things that I've seen are mostly races where it's, you know, two right. players facing off to try to try to complete it as quick as possible. So have you um, seen, uh, I think it's called archipelago.gg. That's the domain name anyway. No. What's that? This is a um, multi-game randomizer. You and a bunch of friends that you each pick your favorite game from the list. And then you're all thrown into, it, it scrambles the items, not just in within one game, but between all the games you picked. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. And, and so like you're, you're walking, like you're walking around, you, you, you pick up an item and you gave somebody a sword in some other game. <laughs> so wait, when, what, what type, what games are these that are, that are, uh, let me pull up the list. Yeah. I was, yeah, they're all, they're all existing games. I think there's like 30 that are supported and I, I assume they're, they're adding more all the time, but I don't know. Adventure for Atari 2600. Uh, Blasphemous, which is a Metroidvania I hadn't heard of. Dark Souls 3, DLC Quest, Donkey Kong Country 3, Factorio, Final Fantasy 1, oh. Hollow Knight. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to read all these, but like... No. So, so do you Kingdom have to like... Hearts 2. Do you switch between different games then over the course uh, of playing? It's multiplayer. Oh, okay. Interesting. Although I, I assume you could. Well, I, I, the reason I ask is because I, there's something that I'm aware of going back to the, the Zelda randomizer, which is, I think it's called Starcraft two wings of Liberty. It, it's, it's Z three, Z three SM, which is Zelda three and super Metroid. Mm-hmm. So you'll oh, go yeah, into, yep. you'll go into one dungeon and then you'll be in a Metroid map. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then I've also seen one and I think this was the first multi-game randomizer that I saw was one that um where like one person is playing Zelda 3 and the other person is playing Super Metroid and then you could send each other items that from oh, randomized yeah. between the two games and it's it's basically that but with like as many people as you want basically. I did this a few months ago with a group of like 10 people and we all had different games and we all had different like foolishly and this isn't really something we could have solved because the game selection isn't that big. Mm. Uh, but we all kind of had different scopes of games. And so like one person's <laughs> okay, game is okay. over in an hour and the other person is going to take 60. Oh yeah. Okay. I was playing Zelda one randomized and I didn't have a sword for like the first two or three hours probably because I was just like, can someone <laughs> send me a sword? And the way you, <laughs> the way you can actually deliberately do things is that you can get a hint about where an item is. Um, as you as you send items to people from your game, it unlocks like hint tokens, and it'll it'll say like you know the the white sword is in under in Factorio upgrade number sixty four. You know, <laughs> wow. So what does it look like when you uh, find an item from another game? Do they have unique sprite art in Zelda One? In or Zelda like... One, it just looked like the rupee. Oh, okay. it was always the rupee. What the thing that bo- that bothered me about Zelda One, the way they handled it, was all the things like when you when you kill all the enemies in a room and like that room a, a new rupee pops up as like as a reward for clearing this room you get a rupee. All those items went into the randomization bucket, mm-hmm. and so the vast majority of time, to- like the time, like somebody sent me an item, it was like enjoy your five rupees. Oh, <laughs> like oh, I- no. And then, like, there was somebody playing Super Mario World, and, like, most of the time we were just sending him one-ups. <laughs> but but the funny thing about that is that, like, I, I skipped an important con- an important context here. Super Mario World, like, also, they added, like, this. there's no concept of any of this in the main, in the original game. But, like, they added the concept of, like, you have to unlock running. Oh. <laughs> For example, you have to unlock riding Yoshi. And then unlock after that, unlock writing using Yoshi's tongue. Um, in order to make Mario World a Metroidvania, they had to invent all these like, well, okay, all of the buttons you can push, all the actions Mario can take. Let's just lock all those behind item unlocks. This is fascinating. Unlocked, running right, yeah. give Link a Zweihander. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And while I was like, nobody, nobody has a sword for me for hours... Uh, in the meantime, the guy playing Dark Souls 3 was getting like inundated with weapons because that game has <laughs> thousands of weapons in it. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I imagine it'd be hard to hard to 
go for very long without getting something useful. Right, right. Yeah, it was it was good. It was fun, uh, mm-hmm. worth doing, and I recommend it. Oh, uh, SMZ3 is actually on the list. You can play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, dog. Do you like randomizers? <laughs> are, are we ready for another topic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For this topic, we're going to be reading this poem. We just did a Douglas Adams poem, so let's do another one. We're going to be reading this poem. I don't, it doesn't seem to have a title, but it's by Marvin, the paranoid android. Uh, shall I read this? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Now the world has gone to bed. Darkness won't engulf my head. I can see by infrared. How I hate the night. Now I lay me down to sleep. Try to count electric sheep. Sweet dream wishes you can keep. How I hate the night. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's Marvin putting in work. It's a little, it's a lullaby. Oh, should I have been singing it instead? Well, I mean, I, if you wanted to. It is, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if, if it could be sung to any particular lullaby tunes. I'm, I'm running through the, the, the obvious ones in my head and it's not working. The only one that comes to mind for me is, um, is it, is it Sympathique, the song by Pink Martini? I don't know that one. Now the world has gone to bed. Darkness won't engulf my head. <laughs> I can see by infrared how I hate the night. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that, that fits. That's a it very rhythmically apt, <laughs> apropos. That's, uh, Douglas Adams. Oh man. I feel like it is really hard to capture that particular level of snark for for anyone else. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I just read the Hitchhiker's Guide books when I was at a formative age. Oh, I'm sure that's a factor. Yeah. Did you ever read uh, Catch Twenty Two? Oh yeah. Oh man. I feel like that was a big influence on on his style. That was one that I think I read it in high school, but I remember nothing of it so maybe i was just reading sections of it in order to pass a test sure but also like i i feel like if you're in high school and you're reading any of the any (laughs) of the books people call classics this is these are books that you're not going to get until you're 30 right (laughs) i was recently told about the meaning behind the grapes of wrath they're just really mad right they're just well (laughs) Well, I don't want I don't want to spoil it, but I will say that there's a reason why that book is important <laughs> that I was not understanding back when I had to answer questions yeah, about it's characters. Yeah, because the grapes are so angry. I mean, the grapes were traveling on that car to go to California. Uh-huh. I'd be mad too. That's that, that's what it was about, right? That's is this the origin of the California raisins? Yeah, I assume the California raisins are the sequel. Right. <laughs> oh boy. I I don't. I don't have or understand the perspective of people who are in high school doing their best as opposed to just like I <laughs> just getting by just getting by until you can leave just out, out out there trying to have experiences that don't involve staying up late and doing homework right and so this may have been a factor in like how much I got out of these classes but also I'm pretty sure a lot of it was that I just didn't get it and I wouldn't have gotten it even if I well I, I just wouldn't have picked up one of these books on my own. I was reading genre fiction. That was what I wanted. Yeah, I was I was reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh sure, yep. <laughs> yeah, I want to find nice out what's happening though. next in Xanth. Xanth? What's Xanth? It was this uh, like a Piers Anthony sci-fi or rather fantasy uh, series. It's basically Florida. <laughs> Xanth. When I search for Xanth, of course, Xanth and Gum comes up first yeah thanks google that, that's where it's made right it's xanth and gum is just it's from xanth the place yeah that makes sense to me they opened up a portal i listen i stopped reading those books like at like book 15 so i wouldn't be at all surprised if they got there like <laughs> we gotta write one of these a year guys let's fucking xanth and gum all right let's do it one of the digests uh, so that's that's uh, now the world has gone to bed by Marvin the paranoid android. We we did it. We discussed it. It's definitely a poem poem that uh, that's out there and is cute. A poem that you can recite and listen to. Sing it to your animals, or it rhymes. It's got oh, I can do some analysis. It's got an A A A B rhyme scheme. It is um, trochaic something or other. Now the world has, as opposed to iambic, right? 
Because iambic is when it's when the which one is seven? Oh, I don't know. Hepta, hepta, something. Heptameter. Oh, that would be. Oh man. Okay. Well, this is. I my my reach of uh, my uh, my my oh my yeah exceeded my grasp. Heptameter is seven metrical feet. How do you think our music would be different if we had seven feet instead of two? Uh, it would uh it would be <laughs> rad. Um, Soundgarden would be much more popular than <laughs> it is. I, I'm subscribed to the music theory subreddit, and I my favorite music theory subreddit posts are the ones where like the person doing the posting doesn't understand what music theory means. And so like they say things like, do you think if we had three legs instead of two, our music would like four, four time wouldn't be as popular. And like, this is about music and this guy's asking for theories, but (laughs) that kind of, okay. I see how it connects now. (laughs) So in, in a sense, it's music theory, but it's not what, that's not what people mean. I just, I love that, that that particular kind of thing has happened multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, it's really because good. Because it's just someone, someone is reaching out. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and everybody is like, they, it always gets a good, like, yeah, good, good faith <laughs> conversation in response. Fantastic. Love it. That's someone's entry into the realm of music theory. I had a theory about music and then I made all these friends. Yeah. <laughs> nice people. The music theory really was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Uh, John, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you know, I will say, come find me in the Topic Lords Discord, where I believe I'm still going as John Mystery there. Um, and I'll I'll pop in periodically. You can always uh, mention Star Trek, and that's that's kind of like the bat signal for me. <laughs> um, so just just drop a reference to Star Trek, and I'll I'll come find it and engage you in conversation very good and alex if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet i can also be found on the topic lords discord and the thinky puzzle games discord both are uh places where you can find me uh and you've got a youtube channel that you that's right i do you should talk about yeah i play a lot of games including the legend of zelda second quest so if you want to see a let's play of that uh there is a recent one on my channel is there like there's show notes that go along with this where I could put some kind of URL like I don't oh, yeah. want to spell out yep. my uh, <laughs> we won't make people type it in youtube.com yeah. slash channel slash uppercase u uppercase c lowercase y continue <laughs> <laughs> for 20 more characters something like that uh, thanks so much for being on mm-hmm. thanks for hosting this was great yeah thanks good talk mm-hmm. hi this is Jim this is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!